This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. What's up, guys? This is Matt, co-founder of Farm Animal Refuge. We want to invite you to our biannual day at the farm, Saturday, October 6th from 11 to 3. It is free to come and completely kid-friendly. There's something for everyone. We got music, drinks, delicious plant-based food, and of course, you get to meet all of the residents that make up the Farm Animal Refuge family. So come meet Tucker, Gracie, Diamond, and all of their friends, and be sure to invite all of your friends and family, vegan or pre-vegan, everyone's welcome. Check us out on our social media at Farm Animal Refuge or our website, farmanimalrefuge.org, for more information. Welcome to Tap Into. I'm Travis. I'm Pete. And this is our story. Two and a half years ago, we were leading mediocre lives in Kentucky, working for the weekend and filling our time with things that didn't always matter. I mean, life wasn't bad by any means, but we always had a feeling that things could be better, a feeling there was something more out there and our lives could hold more purpose. So we sold all of our belongings, including a house, a car, and pretty much everything we owned, packed up our trusty Prius, and drove across the country to sunny California. This podcast shares the good, the bad, and everything in between as we continue our journey to expand and grow every day. Come join us each week on Facebook to interact with us live on our page, Travis and Pete, where we share all the tools we have collected along the way to enjoy a life full of gratitude, love, and purpose. Wait, since it's live, does that mean I have to wear pants? Nah, there'll be a desk. Sweet! So come as you are, set aside what you think you know, and simply listen. And as always... Take Take what what you you like and leave leave the rest. We are live. Hello, everybody. Oh, snap. Right? How's it going? Um, And then she's going to bring that up, and then Pete's going to do his sharing, and we're going to get people rolling in. And as people are rolling in, that's when we kind of get all this taken care of. (sighs) Ha. Such a good day. Look at this. We got someone else with us today. Um, you've probably figured out who, especially with as much. Um, I don't know if I've really marketed anything as much as I have you. So this is how um, strongly I feel about this story that you're telling and, and your journey that you're on. It very much lines up. Uh, we had the p- p- pleasure um, of uh, going to uh I was going to say specialty produce. That's where we're at now. Um, <laughs> over at the improv studio, uh, Finest City Improv. And hearing your story, this to the right of me, to the left on your screen probably, um, is Sydney Williams. Uh, Sydney hails from? Currently San Diego. Currently San yeah, Diego. But all over the place. Gotcha. Yeah. She is, um, she's one with the earth. Yes. <laughs> my This planet is my home. Currently San Diego. I like it. I like it a lot. That's kind of how we feel about a lot of things. It's like, you know, we currently reside here. Most of the time I'm like, "Mm, so when's the spaceship coming back to get me? Because I swear, (laughs) like, I'm on the brink of getting abducted back out of here. I don't know what's going on. Bueller? Kesha? coming out to get me? (laughs) Kesha? Yes! One of these days, if that happens and Kesha just comes off a mothership, I'm going to be like, it's about time, bitch. Where you been? Seriously, we've been waiting. It's cool. We are rated R for those. um, We are, what is it called? Rated R? Well, yeah. Wait, X? Explicit. 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 Yeah, so, we're, so feel free to say whatever you want. It's E um, for everyone I'm working, E for explicit. Perfect. I'm working on dropping the F-bombs because I feel like I don't need them. Cool. Yeah. Mm. We'll see, though. We'll see. Yeah. 
Yeah, we'll, well, see, that, we'll see if I drop them with purpose or if I drop them like I don't need them. That's gotcha. The see, uh-huh. that's, see, this is where you practice doing that yeah. because then you can look back and figure out whether or not you need to drop it for like the multiple massive people that you're going to be talking in front of. Yeah. I don't I think it's important sometimes whenever you're talking, it's kind of a descriptor word. It just shows some passion behind it. I use it like a comma, which tends to be problematic. <laughs> so I'm trying to just like cut down a just a comma. smidge. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so Pete's doing some sharing right now. And like I said, we had the pleasure of uh, going over and listening to your amazing story. Um, it's called Hike My Feelings. Uh, check that out. We're going to drop everything into the comments whenever we get done with this. But uh, hikemyfeelings.com, right? Hikingmyfeelings.com. Um, like it says on the screen, I just can't read. Uh, is a really cool story. So we're going to kind of go back over this and uh, about what we learned uh, from this amazing story, from what you had told us. Um, and then uh, this is kind of just about you. We want people to understand that from our takeaways and to see if people get the same takeaways that we had and different ones, of course, because, you know, we're better together and all that crap. Um, so we are we're hoping that, you know, we will get to your comments and we will get to your questions for sure. Um, probably at the end, uh, because this is one of those things that you'll just want to kind of like get your snack ready, sit in front of your TV, your computer, mm-hmm. and just kind of take a listen. So yeah, and when you have questions, put a cue, a big cue beside it, so yeah. that we know to. So we will get back because we are already looks like dropping some stuff into the comments right now um, on where you can find this hiking tour. So without further ado, who are you? Hi, um, my name is Sydney Williams, and. Usually I introduce myself by saying what I do professionally. So, well, currently I am a speaker and a storyteller and a hiker, and I'm a recovering marketer. That was my big, big career for 12 years was the marketing thing. So, whoa, good day. Yeah, um, that's me for now. Just rocking this uh, speaking tour or getting ready to. I have a, it starts in October with REI. What's happening? I'm not sure. He wants to see my face. But why? I don't know. <laughs> get it, get it, get it, get it, get it. Um, so <laughs> we've heard your story about, um, in which everybody will hear shortly, but let where did you start off with? I mean, I know that you were a marketing guru at some mm-hmm. point, which, you know, we're going to have to pick your brains on that at a later date. Yeah. Um, but what did, your, what did your childhood look like? Where did all this start from? Like, where, who was Sydney whenever she started out? Um, Sydney, when she started out, was bright and shiny until somebody told her enough times not to be. Um, told me I was too much. Told me I shouldn't be so loud. Maybe I should cry less. Like, I'm an empath. Crying's what I do, y'all. <laughs> I might cry on this. Happy or sad. I don't know. But, yeah. I, as a kid, I mean, I was just running around, you know, before the internet. We had piles of bikes. That's how you figured out where your friends were. Uh-huh. Just running around the neighborhood, getting into trouble, doing that thing. Home before the dinner bell. Yeah. But um, I played sports a lot. I did gymnastics as a kid. And then I was a competitive cheerleader. So we like traveled around and rah-rahed all over the country. And then I walked on to the women's rowing team at the University of Kansas. And I was a competitive skydiver for four years. <sighs> so I, my background is mostly, mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly, it's mostly athletic. And then um, also... <laughs> Professional background is uh, like marketing, communications, that kind of thing. Gotcha. So, yeah. did, was there a point in time, like when as you were growing up, that you would have had any clue or inkling that you would be the person that you are today? Truthfully, um, I don't know if you guys have ever seen The West Wing. Oh yeah. But I was going to be C.J. Craig when I grew up. 
I was going to be the White House press secretary. That was okay. my that was my that was my thing. Um, and then I decided in college that I wanted to be pre med and go be a doctor, like the doctor that saved my mom's life when she had cancer my senior year of high school. And then some other stuff happened, and then I ended up being a marketer. <laughs> I mean, that's very close of being the press secretary, right? Yeah, we're getting there. Getting there. Yeah. Is that something you still want to do? Um, have you seen the White House? I have. <laughs> we see the need for not, change. Maybe not current. Yeah, I mean, like, the need for change, I'm totally into yeah. that. But currently, I, there's you could not pay But think about all the stuff you could, like, do. Right. Right? There's so much I could change. Right. Or, <laughs> like, I would change all the things. Oh, right. yeah. Or there'd be a small mushroom cloud, you right. know, over the White House where yeah. you were. So, yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. So, so, no, I don't. I don't think that's in the cards for me. I, I like where I'm at right now. Gotcha. But yeah, I'm I'm open to whatever happens because, as you know, the universe just delivers, Ugh, yeah. and you can't Every really predict it. Day. So yeah, I always <laughs> heard that that saying that like Lisa Nichols is that one of the first people I heard say this, and she's always like, you know, when you start paying attention to what you want and where you want to go, and like saying yes to things, mm. pretty soon you're not gonna your life is unrecognizable. Uh, yes, and it is one of the greatest feelings in the world to have that kind of a transformation. And so yes. and that's exactly why you're here because we love the transformation story. So transformation all over this. Transform bitch. us. Let's Transform us. Okay. Get into it. Cool. Let's, tell, tell us about, t- tell us about you. Tell us about hiking your feelings. Where yeah. did that come from? So, well, I'll just tell you the story of the two hikes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then we'll just kind of get into it from there. So, um, in order to, for this story to even make sense and tell you why I got on the trail to begin with, I need to bring you back to like 2014. So we're going to like take it back real quick. Um, boop, boop, boop. We're in our time machines. Yeah. Okay. So it's 2014. I'm just going to rattle through all the shit I survived. Ready? Here we go. Here we go. Beginning of the year, my friend Chris, who was a highly intelligent, spoke several different languages, military officer, committed suicide like one of 22 veterans who do that every day. Um, my uncle died of brain cancer after beating it once. This is still 2014. Hang with me. Uh, one of my best friends died in a base jump. And then when I got back from his funeral, my, uh, boss, who was also my coach for my skydiving team, he was a flyer on my skydiving team. And one of my friends of mine and Barry's, I found out that he was convicted of raping his 14 year old niece. And as the PR and marketing person for that business, I was like, peace out. I will not be cleaning up this mess. Um, I'm a woman, and also I have a moral compass. Have a nice day. Good for you. Um, so at the end of 2014, I lost my skydiving team, my dream of being a world champion skydiver, which therefore meant that I lost my favorite sport and uh, my job, my dream job, because I left it. Um, and then in 2015, my husband lost his job and his dream, and I went back to the agency that I started working with before I started skydiving full-time. And then 2016, we were like, we've been through some shit. Like, let's go do something outdoorsy. And outdoorsy for us at the time was like, we had been doing some day hikes around Southern California. Um, and we liked drinking margaritas on patios. So like super outdoorsy. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like Barry found this trail and he was, he was saying, you know, there's this trail called the trans Catalina trail. It goes from one end of Catalina Island to the other. We should go hike it. I had never been on a backpacking trip before. So I needed to go get stuff cause I don't have anything. And I found myself in an REI dressing room wearing the biggest sizes of clothes I've ever worn in my life and looking at my body in the mirror and being like, hmm. (laughs) Now, so I should back up. For people who don't know me yet, um, historically, every time I go shopping, it's a shit show. And I'm like, you know, just like adjusting and like nitpicking and, like you know, whatever. Um, 
And this time was different. I was just like, girl, what? <laughs> what are we doing with this body? Like, not judgy, but just like super curious. And in that moment, I was like, okay, this is the biggest ever I've ever been. I don't feel comfortable right now. And as somebody who's been athletic for like most of her life, I don't feel in touch with anything that's going on right here. Um, and so in that moment, I was like, what is possible if we decide to honor our inner athlete instead of this like work out two hours a day, eat only chicken and broccoli, like punch yourself skinny, you know, like I was like, can I do something that's maybe like a little bit more heart centered than like, you know, right, so right, right. Um, I was like, let's honor our inner athlete. And I took that with me across the trail the first time. And it was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. It was how long is the actual trail itself? So the trail itself is thir- it's now thirty eight point five miles long from Avalon where you get off the ferry out to Parsons Landing and then back to Two Harbors where you catch the ferry home. So the trail itself is thirty eight point five miles. However, there's like hundred sixty something miles of trail on this island because the Catalina Island Conservancy protects and maintains most of the land on that island. So it's like undeveloped, rugged California nature, just like crazy coastlines, just not at all like the beaches you see up and down the coast right now. It's just right. like, it's raw wow. and it's, it's spiritual okay. AF. Like, Love. Yeah. It was Love. really, really neat. So, um, yeah, 38 miles from tip to tip. So we did it. And the first, the first time was just this horrific physical experience. Cause I hadn't done anything since like I lost everything at the end of 2014. I was like, well, I like drinking wine and eating Ben and Jerry. So I'm going to do that for about two years. Um, and then we'll just go walk across <laughs> this island and like maybe I'll survive it. <laughs> so wild. How did that work out? Um, I mean, I didn't die. So. <laughs> but did you die? No. Yeah. Well, um, I died. I've died many deaths on this trail. <laughs> but like emotional releases as opposed to like physical, actual death. Yeah, so yeah. the first time that you did it, it was just kind of a – did you get a lot of spiritual – like happenings then did that happen on the first time or did you know that it was just kind of like i nailed it i crushed it i want to do this again um so the first one was neither of those things the first one was like so it was raining for the last half of the trip and so the end of the last segment of the trail we didn't get to complete because the trail conditions were garbage and also like my body was not in a condition to continue because i like i couldn't walk right for two weeks after the first trip because i was so out of shape um but it just uh what what were we saying (laughs) i get so like i'm like i'm i was just like there for a minute and i was like the the first time right i mean obviously you've done it twice yes so so the first time was like super no oh so this is the spiritual things so it was super hard physically and the but the two takeaways that i got where I can do hard things and I love my body. Nice. Yeah. And I was like, I couldn't walk right for two weeks after that trip, but like the mental benefits were immediate and yeah. they carried out and like they stuck. Right. I found myself in Paris. Like you get off the trail and then you're in Paris. That's not how it works. But like I found myself on <laughs> a, a metro. Long trail. Right. It's a real long trail. I walked underwater. <laughs> it's wild. There's a there's actually a tunnel that connects us here. Right. Um, direct loop to Paris. Shh, we're not supposed to tell people this. <laughs> so sorry. My bad. Um so I found myself in Paris and I'm on the metro and I don't understand any of the languages being spoken. And so for the first time uh ever, I think. I had 10 days of none of that like soundtrack that runs. I, so first of all, I'm going to talk about this soundtrack that runs in my head, assuming that this only happens to women, but I'm sure it happens to men as well. But it's like, I'm not enough. I'm too fat. 
you need to do something else. Go pay your bill. Like it's all these things, like all the just jumbly stuff um, and lots of negative talk. But on this Metro, that didn't exist. And I was like, ooh, oh, I'm just here with my thoughts and my thoughts are positive. Oh, thank you, Trail. And I'm looking at myself in the mirror and like my best friend that I went to Paris with, like we took full length selfies every morning, which is like, we don't do that. Right. We don't do full body images because you only, oh, hey, you only do your face, right? right. So from way up here. Yeah, from like way up here to get that perf angle. Right. So, so I'm here and I'm like in all of my normal straight on camera angle at the mirror selfie game. And I'm like, oh my God, like I love this body and this negative stuff in the background is not there. So for 10 days, I felt whole and yeah. complete and beautiful. And it was so nice. And I got home and I was like, Oh my God, the soundtrack's back. Like it's the news, it's the magazines, it's every, like it's, it's scrolling through social media. And like now I look at my social media feed and I think of it as inspiration rather than like, I need to keep up with this. Cause I know that everybody's only doing the highlight reel. Like I only do the highlight reel too. But if you read my captions, like it's a really baller picture of me highlight really, but then read it and you're like, Oh, that's the saddest shit I've ever read. (laughs) So like there's a balance. But anyway, I just found myself like, Oh my God, these mental benefits are, are, are right now. Like I get this right now. And then I went and we got back from Paris and my husband and I started paddleboarding. Well, I needed a swimsuit, which I hadn't worn in like a decade because I was overweight and I hated my body and I never wanted to see myself in a swimsuit. So I find myself in another REI dressing room wearing an extra large one piece with stripes on it. And I'm like, First of all, I'm breaking fashion rules here because women, especially overweight women, are told from like the second they can understand the human language or anything that like stripes are not your friend. And I was sitting here breaking all the rules and I was like, yes, girl, you look incredible. I love everything you've got going on here. And I was like, this trail is magic. So what changed? What what do you think that was? So it's like you went, did you and your husband have like a lot of like in-depth conversations did you have a lot of conversations with yourself? Like, what was it? I mean, aside from being out in nature, which, you know, we always hear is one of the best things that you can yeah. do to quiet your mind and all that. But was there a lot of, a lot of self-reflection? What, what oh, was that? tons. Okay. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the first one. So for me, hiking for me is like, it's the way that I get in touch with my shit. Um, and the only, the only time where I can get like really down into like the emotions I'm trying to understand or the experiences I'm trying to understand, whatever the thing is that I'm trying to work through on a hike when like my lungs are burning, my legs are burning, I'm covered in sweat. Like there's some point in time where like, I'm just so exhausted mentally because I'm so tired of fighting it that my body just takes over. And that's when I can get into that like really emotional, deep stuff. So on the first trip, there wasn't any of that. It was all just in my head about how fucking hard it was yeah. because like I had to like physically pick my legs up at one point on the last, the last little like climb out of a canyon before the first campground on the first day where your pack's the heaviest. It's the longest journey. You're going up and down five peaks on that first day. Towards the, la- towards the end of it, I was just like dragging my leg up the thing and I was just like, I am so out of shape, but like I'm doing it. Yeah. And so I think the big thing for me was just like, I proved to myself that I could. Yeah. Like there, there were like Barry and I were having conversations like, oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this. Oh my God, I think I'm going to die. Oh my God, why did we decide to do this? What the hell? Like, I'd much rather be on the couch. This is outrageous. You know, like yeah. you have all those things. But ultimately, like I was hiking my own hike. He was there with me, but he was hiking his own hike too. And at the end of it, I was just like, I feel like a completely different person because I didn't know that I could do that physically. Gotcha. But also like, I did know I could do it. 
deep, 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 you had deep, deep down. The layers of yeah, shit. yeah. I had forgotten exactly. So you uncovered the layers of shit. Yeah, and then that. So that the the choice to like say, can I honor my inner athlete instead of like beating myself into skinny submission and just surviving that was it just opened up this whole new world, which enabled me to make all these different choices, which led me to the second trail and all this other stuff that I'm doing now. So it's like, it really was like, I just had to get through the physical stuff first and then I could really start to unpack the mental stuff. Like I just, I just needed to prove because I was obviously so out of touch with my body. Right. I got in back in touch with it on that trip. And I was wow. like, okay, now I can hear you. I'm so sorry. I wasn't listening. Blah, 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 blah. And then that opened up the relationship that I could have with my trauma. So I could start to explore that because once I trusted my body, then I was and I, like, and at that point, like, that summer when we were paddleboarding and stuff, like I wasn't losing weight, but I was just loving what the skin I was in. I hadn't lost any weight yet because the, the, the paddleboarding thing that we did a really long paddle at the beginning of September last year. And that's what led me to my diabetes diagnosis, which led me to this physical transformation and this mental transformation and everything else that's happened. So like, I'm super thankful that I wasn't too prideful to try to go for it because that's a lot of thing. That's the thing about hiking in particular Really, it's just uphill walking. Yeah. Like you're putting one foot in front of the other, and like some of the some of the uphills are harder than others. But this isn't a marathon. Like you don't have to go do. You don't have to really train for it. I mean, there's obvious <laughs> benefits to to not just like running off the off the sidewalk onto the trail like I did. Like I wouldn't recommend that. But it's just walking. So yeah. like as we were going, and I'm going through the hardest physical thing in my life. Like Barry was just shouting back to me. He's like, "Right foot, left foot, girl. Like that's it. That's all you're doing." And then that became like a life metaphor. So whenever things got hard, I was like, oh, right, right foot, left foot. foot. Just just keep just keep chipping away at it, like one foot yeah. in front of the other, you know? So yeah. I love that. That's cool. One of the things I heard, uh, the, the metaphor of um, you exhausted your body and then the transformation started happening. It's like, for me, I look back in my life and when I have chosen to be a part of chaos from like within people or jobs or whatever, and that chaos has if I'm paying attention enough has always led to some kind of transformation to some kind of like, as things are falling apart, they're actually falling together. Yes. And I don't know. I don't know if you knew that formula. Well, I don't call it a formula, but what going into it, but like you created chaos to get yourself out of your own way. Yeah. To allow the stuff that you've been burying for so long to then start coming up. And then you could look at it and be like, Oh, Hey, Mm -hmm. let's be friends now. Yeah. Let's figure this out. Let's be buddies. Brilliant. I love it. I love it. So some people would call you insane. Yeah, totally. So, because sure. here you are, you did this trail, right? And you're like, <laughs> "F that!" Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I did it. Congratulations. Um, some people would stop there, right? right? But you didn't. No. You know, you went to you went to Paris, and you had uh, this amazing experience about all this inner dialogue that went on. Which is, we're going to get back to that because I think it's brilliant. Yeah. Um, but then you went and you started paddleboarding, right? Mm-hmm. So you got into the dressing room, and you're in this. I'm assuming vertical striped. Horizontal, horizontal. Bad kind. up and down oh. is okay. It's across. It's the, oh. that's that's the cardinal fashion feel... sin for overweight women in America. <laughs> so you're you're in the horizontal. I'm in the horizontal stripes, breaking all the rules. Breaking yep. all the rules, mm-hmm. and you're like, I'm gonna do this again. Yeah. What prompted that? Um, I just because I could. Oh, like awesome. the the first like the first time I was on the trail, I was like. Or the first, when I was in the dressing room, I was like, one, I love my body. That's why I'm standing here, yes, anding myself and being like, girl, yes, yeah. um, in this mirror. But the other half of it was like, I can do hard things. And deciding to buy a paddleboard without ever paddleboarding was probably not the smartest decision, but I'm sure glad we did it. Because yeah. if I had gone and like rented it and had to like, you know, like half ass it, 
Yeah. I probably wouldn't have picked it up. Like this was some we were just like, we're committed. Let's do it. Let's get boards. Let's get suits. Let's get life jackets. Let's go. That's amazing. Yeah. And so you did. And this was after you got diagnosed with type so two. That was the so we started paddleboarding in May of last year and then I got diagnosed in September. So it was actually a paddleboarding session that we went on that led to my diagnosis. Oh, wow. Because I went we went out for like four or five hours around the bay over by downtown because um, the tall ships were out, and so we were just checking out all the cool ships with sails and stuff. And I got back from that paddle. It was it, it was like ninety plus degrees. We were out there for four or five hours, and I got back, and I just felt like absolute garbage. Like yeah. I had some like gut issues going on, and just like too much time on the toilet. And I was just like, I woke up on September eighteenth last year, and I was just sitting in the bathroom, and I was like, it feels like somebody took a corset, shoved it through my belly button wrapped it around my intestines and then just started like tightening it down and i was like yo this ain't right so we went to urgent care they jumped straight to a crohn's disease diagnosis and i was like guys my friend adam the dead on the base jump had that and this is not the same thing um and please let's not just jump straight to chronic disease without asking me any questions about my (laughs) symptoms or my family history it was only you could have you could have done that googling like webmd uh, i did (laughs) do all yeah yeah webmd said i was dead that's why i came to urgent care so that was a step up whenever they were like crohn's disease yeah they're like like, crohn's i was like that's better than death okay great um (laughs) jesus time to go to paris so that i can have a doctor tell me that's something different i don't have to understand it yeah exactly yeah so i was there and uh so we did a whole blood workup and like three days worth of tests and stuff and then on the 21st i was driving uh to pick up a friend from the airport that i hadn't seen since barry and i moved out here um however many years ago and the phone rings and it's a hospital and i'm like answering reluctantly yeah and they're just like uh i don't remember what the actual words were but the takeaway was like you have type 2 diabetes ding and i was like oh shit my first thought was like Let's not wreck this car because I'm pulling into the arrival section at San Diego <laughs> International Airport on like a Thursday or some shit in the afternoon. Oh, like it's just wild out there. And so I'm like s- silently weeping, driving my car like, I don't know what this means, but I don't think I can eat bread anymore. It was so tragic. And so we picked up my friend. We went to the sandwich shop. And like I have this picture where I like I'm ceremoniously holding up my last sub sandwich. And I'm like, goodbye, sandwich. It's been real, but I don't think I can have carbs anymore. Sayonara bread. Like Ugh. it was so dramatic. And like. That was the hardest thing about it was like learning what I could eat again mm-hmm. because I had had such like a disordered relationship with food just over the course of the years. Like I my I grew up like I grew up in restaurants. My dad owned a restaurant. He grew up in the re- or he worked in the restaurant industry. I worked in the restaurant industry for a while. And so like I've always just been kind of like all over the place with food. But with the diabetes thing, I was like, they're like pummeling me with facts. And yeah. I'm like, hit me with hit me with the good stuff. Right. right. So like. I, I did this at the um, show on Sunday, but like between the three of us, and this is kind of cheating because I already have diabetes, but like one in three Americans is pre-diabetic. Like 80 million people in this country are pre-diabetic and 90% of those people don't even know that they are. So that's wild. So like at my show, like when I do my speaking tour, I'm like, high five the person next to you. All right, one of you is going to be a diabetic. Hey. Well, this like, was the part of your show whenever we watched it on Sunday where I went over to Pete and I just put my hand on his shoulder and I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> Because it's not I'm, me. And then I'm I pass, so sorry. I pass it on to the guy next to me. Yeah, right? he's like, yeah. take it. Sucks to be you, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, and then like the four factors that affect your blood sugar is the food you eat, the exercise you do, the medicine you take or don't take, and how you manage your stress. So like the first three I took, I took those like head on. I was like, I got you. First three. I'm going to tear you up. 
So I got I got my shit together on my food because I was eating like a 12-year-old boy before I got diagnosed. I was like frozen pizza, Ben and Jerry's for breakfast, like ain't no thing. I was just like yeah. loving life because for so long I had restricted. Mm-hmm. And then I went into this place of like no restrictions because I was just like, F this. I'm not going to punish myself. I'm not going to like rule out certain food groups. And the food groups that I didn't rule out were like frozen pizza. So then high <laughs> diabetes, um, which P.S. for anybody listening, that's not how it happens. So like you're genetically predisposed and then your diet and your exercise and your lifestyle has the, something to I play love into how the, it. The right. voice went like lower. So, you know, this is her serious voice. Yeah. Like I'm really. You really don't right get pizza for or diabetes from pizza. Yeah, you don't. But just like also just curb the pizza. maybe. Right. Um, so <laughs> I. So I took the first three head on, um, food, diet, and exercise, or yeah, food, diet, food and diet are the same thing, food, exercise, and medications. And then the last one was stress. And I was like, I don't want to do this. Like, I guess I don't want to, I don't like these are the, and this two is what, out of three. Right. <laughs> this is like, this is where I feel like I could have just given up and had like a normal life and been totally fine. And like, right. maybe still a little overweight, but like. I would have had my good job and like right. my parents would still be proud of me. Like, you know, like all these things. Like I, I, I got the six figures, like I'm crushing it. Like right. whatever those stupid goals are that your parents set for you and that you set for yourself. Yeah. Cause I set those for myself. Let's be honest. Right. Um, so I took a look at my work and I was like, damn it. My work is so stressful. Cause at the time I was going up to LA two days a week. I was running uh, email marketing for NBC, gotcha. which, and like I was diagnosed during sweeps week. Or premiere week. Oh, yeah. So Lord. it's like, it's already the most stressful week of my career ever, ever, ever. <laughs> Plus a diabetes diagnosis. I was just like, I don't even know. Like looking back, I'm like, how did I not, how did I not die? Like, <laughs> I'm still how, here though. How did I, how did I not end up in a hospital? Like, I don't know. It's wild. So right. I was taking a look at work and I was like, okay, work is stressing me out. It's my biggest source of stress. Everything else is great. Is it possible for me to reduce my stress in this job before I give it up? Because it's so good. Like I was newly diagnosed diabetic, the most cushy health benefits I've ever had oh, at a yeah. job, unlimited vacation. So like there was no question, like the days that I had to go get testing done, like there was never a question about taking time off. Like it was perfect on paper. It was the best job on paper. Um, but I was stressed. So on the side, I had been helping my friend with a company that she had started in 2016. And so her whole mission was to take, she was going to infiltrate the beauty industry from the inside out, create these all natural skincare products and empower the fuck out of the women that buy them. Nice. And I was like, this is my jam because I was thinking, I was like marketing, like I'm a genius and I want to keep doing this. So is it possible to reduce my stress by doing work that's more aligned? Like, can I choose work that's more aligned and have that reduce my stress? Maybe it's because I don't actually care about the clients I'm working with on the agency side. Like they don't light me on fire. I'm really good at the work. I'm happy to be contributing to their mission. But like at the end of the day, it wasn't lighting me up and it wasn't filling up my cup. So I was like, maybe if I do some intentional work, that'll reduce my stress. So the plan was leave my super stressful agency job to join a brand new startup. Mm. Probably not my best move. Like, logically, (laughs) it doesn't make sense to leave, like, your super crazy corporate job to go to a startup, which is even more crazy. Mm -hmm. But, like, I knew what I was signing up for. It was what it was. But I got there, and I just – I had the best of intentions, and I honestly thought that, like, doing work that was aligned with my friend, like, would – and keeping it local so I didn't have to go travel. Like, I thought if I removed all of those extra stress factors that I'd be golden. Right. Except, like, the polar opposite happened. And then, like, I was – my blood sugar was through the roof the whole time I worked there. I was having panic attacks more regularly than I've ever had panic attacks in my life. 
And I was just like, ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm at the risk of reversing all the progress I've made on managing this disease, and I cannot do that. So in May, I quit my job that I had been at for 95 days, like a super cool person. Like, one, so sorry to let you down and bounce. Two, like, I can't do this anymore because my health is so effed, So or could be. So I was just like, I don't have a backup plan. I don't have another job lined up. I don't know what I want to do, but it's not this. So I quit. And... Two weeks later, we were on the Trans-Catalina Trail again. <laughs> I love it. It's kind of like a place that, you know. Like where I come else... home when I need to shake shit up. Yeah. I like it. I like it a lot. So, I mean, it was what happened to, I think that's one of the biggest things is that to be able to say, I love you, but I got to go because of yeah. my own self. Like not yeah. many people can do that. Yeah. And I don't know that yeah. that message was like received in that way, but yeah, that, was, not. that well, was, yeah. You know, I <laughs> love a good meme that talks about boundaries. Yeah. And, I, and I've seen a lot of them. Yeah. But what they don't say is a lot of times you have to draw those boundaries in the middle of chaos, yes. in the middle of effing stuff up, yeah. fucking stuff up. I'm like, yeah, I was like, why am I not? And <laughs> in the middle of hurting someone's feelings, yeah. in the middle of hurting your own feelings, maybe, or yeah. cutting relationships, yes. cutting jobs. Like that, that conversation I don't hear enough of. So yeah. thank you for that perspective because yeah. it's, I mean, it's like, not I'm perfect. not, it's just, it's, it's hard. It's hard. Especially yeah. when you're new, especially when you're trying to prove yourself. Cause I came in as CMO and I walked, I walked into the business and I was like, we have an awesome product line, but we don't have a business built. I would love some more responsibility. Like, can I be your co-founder or something? Like, just give me a little bit extra so I can feel like I can give everything that I need to give to this business. Cause this wasn't just a job for me. Like I was ready. I was in, I was like, put me in coach. I'm ready to shake shit up. And so it was hard to decide not to do that, especially when you're dealing with a friend. Yeah. Like it, it's, it was, I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever had to do, but also at the same time, the most brainless, easy decision I've ever made. And it's really hard to make those decisions in that kind of chaotic conflict like that, where it's like, this is this could be everything you want if you're willing to hang on. And it's like, yeah, but for my entire life, I've been hanging on, and this is what's happening. Like, uh-huh. I'm neglecting my so, health, you know? What was it in you, thought process, a moment, your husband looking at you a certain way, that you said... I am more important than this stress, than this chaos. Was the diagnosis? Like, what was it that moment where it switched for you to make those hard decisions? The moment that it switched for me was right after the diagnosis um, because I started looking at, I started making those healthy choices with food and diet and taking my medicine. So I started making healthy choices and my body started reacting positively. And I was like, my whole life, my whole story has been that I'm fat and I always will be. Whether that's from societal messaging, the stuff that I was talking about earlier, like magazines, movies, people telling you you're not enough, or it can come from family too. Like my mom has the best, the best heart, best of intentions. But from the second I was a little girl, she would say, Sydney, you need to watch what you're eating because if you're not careful, you're going to end up like me. And as a little girl, I look at my mom and I'm like, she's an angel. What, why is there anything eat what whatever is she, I want. like what is she saying? Like, I don't I couldn't comprehend it yeah. because I was like, what do you mean? I'm going to end up like you. Awesome. I'm going to end up nice. I'm going to end up yeah. uh, an angel who cares about people and has lots of compassion in her heart. That sounds terrible. Why would I want – what does eating have to do with that? And then, like, I learned that I should hate my body if it's bigger. Okay. And so from this, from the get-go, I was always on a diet. So when I got my diagnosis and I started seeing these positive things, I was like, if I can make healthy choices and my body responds positively, which means that my my old truth of I'm fat and I'll be fat forever, if that's not true, what else isn't true? Like what right. other bullshit has been holding me back that I've just internalized as my truth? And that's what the whole second trail was about. It was just an emotional excavation of everything I've ever heard, said to me, felt, 
internalize any of it. Like I just, I took all of it and I just like dumped it out on the trail and I left it there. So besides the, I mean, obviously that's a huge takeaway from like the second part of the trail. What was different than the first time that you went? Like, well, yeah. So the second time that we looked to go to the trail, um, I was looking at it and I was like, okay, last time was physically the hardest thing I've ever done. The only thing that's different now is that I've lost 60 pounds since I got diagnosed with diabetes. And in the process of getting diagnosed and then quitting that job and throwing myself into that chaotic aftermath, I didn't have my normal coping mechanisms, which I had mentioned previously were like just looking for answers at the bottom of a wine bottle and or burying feelings with Ben and Jerry's. I was food and alcohol first for celebrations or for sadness. Agreed. And then in between my diagnosis and the second trail, I realized that instead of eating or drinking my feelings, I was hiking my feelings. And so I was like, oh, dang. Like, because diabetes was like, nope, you don't get to drink wine like that anymore. Sorry, sis. And Ben and Jerry's, nope. Like, if you want to manage this disease, if you want to keep your toes, if you want to keep losing this weight, if you want to keep living your life, you don't get those things. So figure something else out. And hiking was what I figured out. And I was like, okay, so the only things that are different here are that I weigh less and that I'm hiking my feelings instead of eating eating and drinking my feelings. What is possible if the hike isn't the hard part this time? Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. And then I was like, oh, I don't, I'm not ready for the answer to that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we always talk about. We're like, you do not ever ask yourself. You don't even have to ask the question out loud. You don't even, just, if you're not willing to have the answer for the universe to go, there it is. Yeah. Don't even let it don't cross even, your mind. Don't even think about because it. Because right? as yeah. soon as it yeah. does, I, you know, we, you ain't ready. Right. We watched, <laughs> we, you know, we watched The the Secret. I don't know if you've yeah. ever seen that. Yeah. And in the movie, like, every time someone said something, you saw this big genie and they'd cross his arms and it was representing the universe and it said, your wish is my command. Yeah. And so every time that something crosses my mind that I really don't, I'll go, no, no, that was not a challenge. Yeah. That was just I, an That was internal... not a rocket of desire that I'm launching to the universe. Like that was just a random thought that I'd like but to not have manifest. As soon as you had that come out of your mouth or yeah. into your mind, yeah. you knew that it was going to... Oh, it's coming. It was, yeah. it was coming. Yeah, so what a... came? What came? Oh, oh God. That was the question question on my mind too because uh-huh. when, when it comes to connection because i got a story, shiver yeah when we heard you read that list i was like i mean i may not have experienced every single one of those yeah. but most of them i was like how did you get in my head that was right. the list from the second coming yeah right? yeah so yeah. I'll, I'll, i hope you I'll, have the list oh, oh girl i got the list. oh good girl go track good I got girl. The list. girl it is girl, girl. so the second trip um so the first one was the hardest thing I've ever done physically. Second one, I would say, is the hardest thing I've ever done emotionally until Sunday night when I gave that speech. Uh, <laughs> because that was, that was exhausting. <laughs> um, but the second one, uh, without the visuals, it's kind of silly. So I'll just kind of like breeze through it. But in essence, the second trip was all about like just removing the expectations, the weight of the expectations that society places on women and that I had placed on myself. So the first, like the first day... There's this playground in the middle of nowhere in Catalina Island. And I was sitting on this bench and I was just, I had just like, I had just thought about all the people that I had lost because in addition to the three people that I mentioned, my friend Adam, my friend uh, Chris, and my uncle Mike, while I was skydiving, I lost more than 15 people in four years. Like I just stopped counting at 15. Um, I don't know why that's the number I picked, but that's the one I picked. And so I was thinking about, like all these amazing people and just like really honoring their memory and their story and how I want to carry it on. And then I get to this playground in the middle of nowhere 
And like, I, it's hot. It's so hot. Cause the first time we did this was in December and it was not hot. And then, then now we're doing it in June and it's all exposed. Oh, There's yeah. no shade and I'm sweating. And so I'm like, I get to the, this playground in the middle of nowhere and I take off my shirt and my backpack and I run over to where I get my water bottle filled up. And there's like a group of like 25 people. And I realize at the water fountain, as I'm filling stuff up, that for the first time in my entire life, I'm standing there in a sports bra and my trekking tights, which are like fancy yoga pants, but for hiking. And then my hiking boots in front of a group of people. And I wasn't running to go cover up because historically, I I don't walk around shirtless. That's just something I don't do. You don't. You just don't do that. So let's back up real quick. So I, I think it was something we didn't mention. So the first, it feels like you did this backwards, right? Mm-hmm. So the first time that you went <laughs> sixty pounds heavier, right? Went with right. yourself. It was you and Barry, right? Yeah. Just you and Barry. Yeah, just right. Me and Barry. Okay. So the second time, mm-hmm. this is what we didn't mention was that. You went with a group of people. Oh, no, I didn't go with a group. Oh, it was, no. It was just me and Barry. Yeah, it was side by side. Yeah, it was just me and Barry. And, you know, you're, you kind of had things figured out. So there was yeah. more people. So yeah. you you found more of yourself, right? Yeah, so, I did. And you, okay, so go back to, you You know, you have your shirt off. You don't give a damn at this yeah, point. Yeah, I don't give a damn. Hot. I'm just like hot and sweaty. And so, like, I'm standing there with my shirt off and I'm filling up my water thing. And uh, then the breeze kicks up. I don't know if you guys know this. Actually, you probably all do because I'm pretty sure I'm the only person who doesn't do this until I did it. But like when your skin is wet and the breeze blows on it, that's called air conditioning from Mother Nature. Yeah. yeah. And I hadn't felt that in decades. Yeah. And I was just like, I felt the breeze on my belly. And it was like this spiritual experience. Because yeah. it was like, it was like, it was just kissing me. It was like caressing and cooling me down. And I was like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Like, and it, but in that moment, I was like, I've never, like, I've never even noticed what it feels like to have the wind blow across your skin. Like I am in a completely different place right now. Like I, this is not a physical journey yeah. at this point. I am like, I all senses are like magnified right now. Like awesome. I'm feeling breeze. Like I'm feeling like belly hairs, like <laughs> fluttering in the wind. Like it's wild. Like it was fluttering so, it was wind. so specific. And I was just like, I've never even noticed this physical sensation before. Hi. Hi. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> For those of you who are listening when this is not I live, spit, I just got spit a shower. Water on our guests. <laughs> Continue. That's how we show love. I love it. So, but I noticed, like, so I had just been thinking about. I'm sitting here on this bench, feeling amazing, like, because I feel. I was like, oh my gosh, I have my shirt off, and I'm not like crying about it. This is it's it's not tragic. This is actually magical. Which was such a weird juxtaposition to like everything that I was thinking before about like all these people who had died over the years or whatever, but like. Working through that stuff, honoring those people, their memories, their stories, how I can continue to keep their stories alive, I think opened up the space for me to even understand what it feels like to have wind go across your belly. Like I had to get through and release that to get to this point. And then the same thing happened at the next campground. Um, I talk about this deodorant that felt like really heavy, like physically not so much because it was the end of the tube. Like I didn't want to add a whole tube of deodorant to my backpack because that would be unnecessary weight i'm not going to go through a whole tube on the trail so physically it wasn't like actually heavy but emotionally i was just like this thing feels like i'm holding an anvil like from a cartoon right and we're just like down to the ground and my husband comes up to me and he's like ditch the deodorant just embrace your stink i love that right i love that yeah and so in the moment i was like 
like, yeah, okay, I do stink, but that's that's part of being on the trail. It's part of a backpacking trip. Like, if you're going to be hiking for eight to twelve hours a day without showers for days on end, like you're gonna get ripe. Like it's somebody like, like dressed in the nine is gonna pop out of a <laughs> right. tree and go, "Girl, you smell." Yeah, right. Like and the no. fashion police are totally there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, honey, wash your face. Also, like, <laughs> right. Get it together. You that look like happen, a mess. Right? Yeah. That didn't happen. No, there okay. was there was none of that. So did you embrace the stink? I embraced the shit out of that stink. Did you? Know? you now I'm looking at her husband right now. Did you embrace the stink? <laughs> He's just like, had to. I'm the one who told her. <laughs> so I was sitting there, but so like I literally threw the deodorant away. I was like, oh, I'm embracing my stink. Like I don't need deodorant on this trail. But it was more than that, too, because I was thinking about my stink as like all the things that make me me. Because there's like a list of things that are unique to me that other people throughout my life, whether that's, you know, like my sister, because that's what young kids do. Like you you rib on each other and give each other crap. Um, whether it was like something that she said in passing or like my family or friends or whatever, there's all these little things about me where I was like, none of these things are actually wrong. They're just different. And like now that I'm an adult and I can see that and I have compassion for humans in my heart and I know that there's lots of different people on this planet. I'm like, oh, I'm not actually fucked up. I'm just different. And being different is kind of cool. So like I was looking at my thumbs and like if you're not watching this, but you are, I have toe thumbs. Google Megan Fox thumbs. Um, <laughs> I want to see these suckers up yeah, front. Yeah, so they look like a little bit of a toe. Like they're, 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 they're just short with like wide nails. It's yeah. fine. But as a child, I walked around with my thumb like in my fist because I was self-conscious about it. Weird. And I was like, screw this. My thumbs are cool. And so I'm like, yeah, I got cool thumbs. <laughs> so, you have the, like the largest thumb, thumbs up ever. I love yeah, it. Right? I'm giving everybody the best thumbs right. up. Um, <laughs> so on, on the way out of that campground where I threw away the deodorant, there's this really big mountain with no switchbacks, which and switchbacks are like the things that make climbing mountains easier. Right. <laughs> Going straight up is harder than like cutting into the side of the mountain. Um, but so there, it's straight up. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do on this, this section? I'm just going to be like my own hype man. Like I'm going to flave a flave the shit out of myself. Nice. Right? So I was like, your thumbs are cool. Your hair is dope. Like, you're gorgeous. And you're super smart. And so, like, by the time I got to the top, I was standing there without my shirt on again because now I'm, like, shirtless is my jam. Uh, I'm making up for lost time at this point. I'm like, I'm comfortable. Let's do this. No shirts ever. Tank tops for days. Um, So I'm sitting there at the top of the mountain and I'm, like, standing in my power for the first time. And without a visual, it's not as exciting. But There's a really cool picture, right? I think is it on your hikingmyfeelings.com. There's an amazing picture that she's talking about. So I'm check just like out. chilling there, crushing it. Um, so I get to the top and I'm like, yeah, I like embracing my stink. That's pretty cool. Like, this feels nice. And then we start making our way to the next campground. And the next campground is where we ended. So everything else from that point on was new territory. Right. So none of this, like we hadn't seen the rest of the trail. My body hadn't gone any further than that the first time. So um, everything was new and we get there and we are talking to some people on the campground and they're telling us that there's two ways to get to the last campground, like our final destination. They're like, you can take the easy route, which goes around the side of the Island, nice and flat, beautiful coastal road and like insane views on the side. Or you can go up all the way up this really tall mountain and then all the way down this really tall mountain into the beach. And I was like, well, I learned on the first trip that I can do hard things. So I'm going to go the hard route. <laughs> and when I did, then it was the same kind of thing. Like how I feel like talking and work sorting through and honoring all my dead friends opened up the space to really uh, experience what it's like to love my body and to feel these things. I feel like my hype man, Flava Flav situation (laughs) opened up the space for me to 
investigate all the things that everybody had ever said to me that I internalized as my truth. Right. And that's my big list of nasty things that I, I have it. I can read please, it. Please, okay, please, cool. please. I love so this. this is, so this is like one of my favorite and also the hardest part of the, the second hardest part of the talk that I give. So, um, to set this up, uh, there's, it takes a couple hours to get up this mountain. So, for the next couple hours, uh, what I'm doing is I went through. So once I decided to choose the hard route, um, the first thing that I decided to say, reframe, throw away um, was this voice in the back of my head from uh, somebody I had been working with that said, when shit gets hard, you run. And I was like, okay, well, here, here's the start of the process. The first thing that came up in my mind is when shit gets hard, you run. And I was like, well, I just chose the hard choice. So I know that that's not true. So it was like, say the thing that's bad then say that it's not true. And then like to give myself a one, two punch, cause I really want to do this hard is like, tell me why it's not true. So give examples as to why that thing is incorrect. So I was like, you, when shit gets hard, you run. And I was like, well, that's not true. Cause I just chose the hard choice. And then let me tell you some other hard things I've done to really just drive this point home. So I was like, I've jumped out of an airplane willingly almost 700 times. I've moved around this country for love and work multiple times. That's hard. I overcame diabetes. And as of this week, I'm no longer on medication. Like, I, yeah, like straight up, like I'm testing it this week. Like we're seeing how my body reacts, but so far it's been awesome all week. So like now my diabetes is completely managed by diet and exercise. That shit's hard. Like that's a, that required a complete lifestyle change. So I've done a lot of hard things and I, so I'm proving this to myself. So this list that I'm going to read, um, I did that process with every single item on this list. So, um, Grab some Kleenex if you're a lady because you've heard all of this. I guarantee it. And if you haven't, then I want to talk to you because you have an amazing life. And I want to know what it's like to not have this soundtrack in your head. <laughs> so here we go. Up the mountain, um, straight up, no switchbacks. The hardest thing I've ever done physically. This is the highest point on this island that I am about to reach. You're too fat. You're too short to row varsity. Your shoulders are too broad. Big girls like you in a cheerleading stunt are bases, not flyers. You're too smart for your own good. If you could do me a favor and bring your first date personality to this client meeting, that would be great because if you bring the rest of you, we're probably going to lose the business. You're too young to do that. Why would you think you could do that? Oh my God, you're too old to do that. Why would you think you could do that? Watch out for her wrath. She's violent. If you give her enough leash on this project, she'll hang herself. Just watch. You're too loud. No, but really, you're too loud. No, seriously, why Why are you yelling at me? You're way too loud. If you want to make friends here, I suggest you tone it down because your enthusiasm is intimidating. Every drop zone has a bicycle. This time it's you. Everyone gets a ride. You're such a slut. Are you wearing that? Why would you wear that? Nobody will ever love you. I can't support you. I won't support you. And if you have a meltdown on this trip, I'm not going to be able to support you. So you're on your own. Do you think you're like mentally ready for this? Like you're going to go walk across an entire island. Are you sure you're like stable enough? Your story is bullshit. You need a new one because nobody's buying the one you're selling. That's it. Wrap. <laughs> So I did all those. So these were the internal. 
things oh, or so, at one point or another you've heard in your life? Yeah. So all of those things were said to me by somebody I know, love, trust, or respect at one point in time, at least once, if not multiple times, or it came from somebody where everything that comes out of their mouth is truth. So I internalized it as my own truth. So it was either through repetition or because the source was like next to Jesus, um, those that was my reality. And that's the soundtrack that played in my head every single fucking day until I went to Paris for 10 days where it turned off. And then I started to work through it from Paris until that day. And that's the day that I released all that stuff. Uh, so I got to the top of that mountain and I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Like, Were you wishing that you had like a whole bag of mics that you could just stop seriously, dropping? Like, like I was just like, I if I, yeah, if I had more room in my pack, I would have been like, let's bring out this mic and chuck it. Like, you know, just like throwing mics everywhere. Yeah, that's it. exactly what I wanted to do. But. We got to the top of that mountain, and Barry comes up behind me, and we take a picture. There was an, a really awesome couple that was a few, like, little bit behind us, and they came up to meet us at the top, and they took our picture. And from that, like, when I look at the pictures from this trip, when I look at that one of me and Barry, like, I feel like I look like a completely different person. And it's not actually possible that I was physically right. at that point, but, like, everything else was, like, new woman from here on out. So I mentioned that the hardest part, like this was the highest, hardest thing to get to the top of. I got to the top. I do all this work to get there physically and clearly emotionally because that was not fun. Right. Um, but then so on the way, like I get to the top and I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so good. Like I feel alive. My lungs are on fire. My legs are on fire. I'm covered in sweat. So like my body is functioning efficiently. My mind is clear. I'm up here and I'm just like sobbing and loving myself. What else is possible? So I'm walking down and I'm like, when was the last time I felt this good? And this downhill, mind you, is, like, pretty technical. So, like, I have to watch my step. I'm, like, making sure my trekking poles are going where they're supposed to go. And I'm just, like, searching. I'm, like, when did I feel this good? Ugh. Like, I'm, like, I feel so free. I feel so light. Like, when did I feel this good in this body? When did I feel this good spiritually? And I stopped because I was, like, I kind of, like, I've never actually articulated that part of the story until right now. And now I'm, like, thank you, universe, you motherfucker. <laughs> Because what happened, like, I, I lost my footing a little bit and, like, I dug in with my poles and I was like, oh, shit. The last time I felt this good in this body was right before I was raped 12 years ago. Mm. Yeah. And so my mind is just like, like, mm -hmm. all cylinders are firing. Everything starts to make sense. And I'm like, oh, shit. And so I'm like, I, duh. Okay. So I was like, well, we are, we are having a moment Something magical has happened here. And I shout down to Barry. I was like, yo. He's like, when I get down to that beach, because so the last one is Parsons Landing, and it's the most remote, beautiful, pristine, you've never seen a beach like it, beach that you're camping on. Like it was so good. So I'm like, when I get down there, I'm going to take off all my clothes and I'm going to walk into the ocean. And I want you to take pictures because in this moment, I love this body and I want photographic evidence that I gave myself this gift, something that I have never done in my entire life, which is walk anywhere in public naked <laughs> into an ocean. I was like, will you be my cameraman? And he was like, hell yeah, I'll be your cameraman. And then we get down and I like I take off all my clothes. I take off my rings. Like I take off everything except for my contacts. So it is just all Sydney all the time walking from this picnic table, like all of it, all of its glory walking from the picnic table into the ocean and I get in the water and I like throw my hands up and I'm just like receiving whatever there is left to be received. Right. Like Ugh. the ocean is like bringing water to bits that haven't felt cold ocean water ever. <laughs> and I'm like a little bit uncomfortable, but like also receiving all of this magic. And I'm like 
bring it through my hands and my head, like I'll take it wherever. Yeah. And so I'm just standing there for like what feels like an eternity with my hands up. And then I put my hands down and I like plug my nose and I dip myself under and I pop back up and I'm like, oh my God. Like I've been hiking my feelings, but in this moment, in this water, I'm reclaiming my body. And that's what I've been doing across this entire island. I'm like fusing those connections. Like the first one was the body thing. This one is the mind thing. And I'm like, I come up out of the water and everything is crystal clear. And I was like, this makes complete fucking sense. Right. Because like my whole life I've struggled with weight loss. Like I mentioned, like I've been on, I've been on some variation of a diet since I knew how to eat. And I've been dieting. But my body's been packing on all this weight. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, holy shit. Like, not only um, – so, like, I'm 60 pounds lighter. So yeah, I, I'm hiking my feelings. Yes, I'm reclaiming my body. Uh-huh. That deodorant, the really heavy shit. Like, I also realized that at that playground in the middle of nowhere, at the top of that mountain after being my own Flava Flav, at the top of the next mountain after going through that list of just nasty stuff, right. and then in this water, I was like – I am, I'm actually alive for one. And two, I realized that like, I have this backpack on this invisible backpack. I lovingly call it my trauma pack because it's filled with all of my trauma that I've been just like collecting over my entire life. And on top of that, most of this shit ain't mine. Every single time. Like I realized as I'm reading this list, I'm like, this ain't mine. I would never talk to myself this way. Why? Like, I know I'm worthy. I know I'm whole. I know I'm gorgeous. I know I'm smart. I know I'm all the things. I am everything. And like, not enough is not what I am. I'm plenty. Like, I am good. So why? And I was like, oh, it's not mine. Guys, no. <laughs> this shit ain't mine. <laughs> She's just walking up to random strangers. I'm like, hey, take this it's back. It's not mine. <laughs> this isn't mine. Yeah. This yeah. sleeping bag is full of your shit. <laughs> they were like, what? I don't know you. Yeah. And they're like, wow. take it anyway. <laughs> this stranger is shoving camping gear in my face. But like, I, so the, the weight loss thing made sense. Like my body was holding onto this weight because when I got raped, I didn't get help. I didn't go to the police. I didn't go to the hospital. I didn't tell anybody. Like I didn't tell my husband until we had been together for seven years, five of those years we were married. So, like, I didn't tell anybody until I told him. And I didn't tell anybody for 12 years. Like, what? That's a long time to be walking around with a big-ass backpack full of shit that ain't yeah. yours. Yeah. One. So, it was just, it was a whole lot. But in that moment, I was just like, now the dots have connected. And now the healing can actually begin. Because, like... I had healed all the little parts to get to this like culminative, culmin, cumulative place. I don't know, whatever. Culmination? This culmination of things. Yeah. So this pack, um, I had worked on all the little individual parts and then they all just kind of like, like fit into place because as somebody who like, I write a lot, I live out loud. Like my, I've been documenting my life online since like 2003. What up Zanga? Like, <laughs> what up Zanga? <laughs> it's fine. Um, so I, I've been doing this for forever and I was having a really hard time writing about the weight loss because like as somebody who is a body positive feminist, as somebody who is like exploring all the intersections of life and how, how, how alike we are as, as opposed to how different we are, like I was having a really hard time connecting with my own weight loss because it didn't make sense. Like I, I was doing the 30 minutes of exercise and like doing body weight workouts and stuff for like 
I got diagnosed in September. I did that through Thanksgiving. And then my family came for Thanksgiving and holidays suck. Like just because I was diagnosed with diabetes and had this like miraculous transformation doesn't mean that I'm not a subject to the holidays. Like I stopped working out, but I kept losing weight. Like after my family came for Thanksgiving, I lost another 10 or 15 pounds. And then after I went home for my sister's wedding at the end of the year and I came back, I lost another 10 or 15 pounds. And it's like, as I'm healing this trauma, the weight is just melting off. And so in that moment when I popped up out of the water, having made the connection that like, oh my God, my body was, my body just took over because when I didn't go get help, they were like, they, my body, all of its parts were like, okay, girl, well, if you're not going to do this in a healthy way, we'll take care of it for you. Like we got your back. We're just going to, we will, we will do whatever we can to keep that from happening again. And I retained all the weight. I picked up coping mechanisms, like drinking my feelings and eating my feelings and the, my behavior just started to spiral like out of control. Like the semester after this incident happened, I failed chemistry and had to drop the class. And I was like, I was pre-med. I was super smart. I was going to go be that doctor that saved my mom's life. And I thought in the moment that I was failing because I was stupid. So I dropped pre-med and I changed my major. I changed my whole life plan, all of it because of that one class, because I, I thought I was too stupid to do chem 101. So who the fuck did I think I was to go do organic and physics and everything else that would come with a pre-med major and a degree? Right. Looking back, it's pretty damn obvious that like I was spiraling because I just wasn't dealing with my shit. Like hindsight's twenty twenty, and that's all great and everything. But like right. when I realized that I was like. The why behind hiking my feelings of why I'm doing what I'm doing is largely rooted in like the loss of potential because like I'll go fix the world and I'll go save lives or do whatever I'm supposed to do with this speech and I wouldn't change my life for the world. Like if I didn't have that happen and if I didn't go through it the way I did, I wouldn't have met my husband. I wouldn't be sitting here with you today. Who knows where I would be? So I wouldn't change anything. Zero regrets. But. I think about the loss of potential. Like I should be saving lives on an operating table, not by giving speeches about how I was raped because that shouldn't have happened to begin with. So there's that. And like, I feel like this work is super important for survivors who are walking around with their trauma packs and like not talking about it, letting it take over their life in whatever way it's decided to do it. Because this kind of trauma creates chaos either in your body, outside your body, like, for me, it was both like my body was just like, screw you. We're just going to pack on pounds and you're it. You are not listening. You're not listening. You're not listening. You're not listening. You keep trying to work out. It's not going to fix it. And then I got diabetes and that was like the last wake up call yeah. where it was like, please pay attention to this body. This is your vehicle to get through this life. Get your shit together. And it was serious enough to where I did and I listened and I was paying attention, but not so serious where it would have completely derailed my life. Like something like a cancer diagnosis where right. That could just like really fuck shit up. So it was serious enough to like pay attention and to do this from a heart centered place. And that was the other whole part of this whole thing was like I realized in that dressing room that first time in 2016 when I'm looking at myself wearing the biggest sizes I've ever worn and I had every reason to be super judgy with myself and I wasn't. I realized I chose love in that moment. I chose love for myself instead of this fear that I had always carried for my entire life, which was the fear of being fat. Yeah. So when I chose love for myself over fear, then like everything started to turn around because it was like I was talking about that spiral and it was spiraling down and down and down. And I'm like fear based decision making. And then like <laughs> I, and then like I discovered the trauma pack. I'm late. I'm, I'm unpacking stuff, holding it up to the light, like shadows be gone, light on everything. Let's explore this stuff. And like the love stuff just really spun it back up out, spun it up into this because like I don't even know what the 
my life looks like right now. Right. It's wild. It's, you so. know, and it's, it's kind of my biggest takeaway from that is that, you know, Pete and I, we talk about how um, we just kind of make up what's good and bad in the world, right? Oh so my it's God, like yeah. when something happens, we say that's bad or that's mm-hmm. good, but it's all very kind of like relative whenever it comes to different things. Yeah. You sat here and you said, you, you were talking about how, you know, this shouldn't have happened to you and this, that, and the other, and that you should be like, you know, on a, a operating table saving lives. Like I look at you and I, not that there's a, a, a more of a respect, but there's a different respect for you right now mm-hmm. than there would be if you were on the table saving lives. Your work that you're doing right now is so important. I would say if not as or more important than a doctor that's went to a medical school school yeah. because you are your beacon of light and your hope, right, for people who still to this day are hiding behind these curtains. Literally, there's not anybody behind these yes. curtains. Hey. But, you, <laughs> but you get what I'm saying? Like, that yeah. are still do not have that voice. You're yeah. a voice for many, 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 many people. Mm-hmm. So regardless of whether you should and shouldn't, we, again, we like to say quit shouldn't on yourself because oh, yeah. it's very stinky, yeah, right? it is what it is. Um, but it, it's, it happened. And, and I think that is my biggest takeaway is that, you know, when stuff like this happens to us, to get to a place to where we stop automatically judging ourselves because essentially yes. that's what happened, right? So like you waited 12 years before you even told anybody about it. So instead of saying something is bad, something that happened to you is bad. It's that lesson, right? It's like, yeah. what do I get to learn from this? Yeah. And I think that's brilliant. Well, and I think like on that note too, because I know, I feel like there's a big chunk of women out there who are holding these secrets, who are carrying this silently who think that it's like a thing that happened to them that they should be judged for. Cause I felt like that for a long time. Like, right. obviously I didn't tell anybody because I thought, well, I expressed a no, a hard no. I did not consent the night before, but then I woke up and there was somebody on top of and inside me. So I was like, okay, well um, maybe consent gets renegotiated at midnight and I just didn't re up <laughs> in time. Like, you know, like the stories that we tell ourselves are right. so screwed up. And for a while, and like, I was just like, I, I didn't fight back, so I guess I wanted it because, like, that's what, like, you read, like, rape culture is real. Mm-hmm. Like, it is it is real. And, like, for a long time, I didn't, I, I didn't even classify it as that yeah. because, like, I talked myself out of it because I was so ashamed that it happened to me because, yeah. like, I fancied myself a smart person and smart girls don't get raped. Like, especially if it's, like, a friend in the, like, it was a colleague. That's what happens. Like, yeah. this, it's not always violent in the back of an alley. So, like, the context that I had for what constitutes a sexual assault yeah. was not inclusive of my story. Right. And I was just like, one day I just woke up and I was like, no, like, we need to start handling this because mm-hmm. this is this is wild. Um, but I think it's important because uh, the way that this even came up, like, honestly, if I didn't have this conversation with my husband, I might still be carrying this secret by myself. We were watching The Bachelorette one day. <laughs> The ba- or it was The Bachelor. And so all the girls are like in the mansion on the couch and they're talking about something that happened to one of them and they felt ashamed about it. And Barry looks at me and he's like, is this a thing? Like, do women not talk about things that happen to them because they're afraid of being judged for it? And I was like, oh, honey, yes. Like, I got some secrets, like things that I just don't talk about because I'm ashamed that it happened to me. And he was like, well, I hope you know, like, safe space like i love you i support you i'm here for you i got you like if you have anything like that that you ever want to share feel free but don't feel pressured 
Um, and so a couple of weeks later, I was like, hey, remember that time we were watching The Bachelor? Like, <laughs> you told me I could say anything. I, yeah, you, I, I got a story. <laughs> Something happened to me. And I'd like to tell you about it. And so then I told him and he was the first person I told front to back. But like I want I like telling that part of the story and that's not part of the speech. Sure. Um, but I like telling that part of the story because this is a conversation that I think a lot of people need to start learning how to negotiate um, and navigate and understand how to have with themselves first yep. and then with their partners, with the people that are important in their lives. Because like if the people that you tell about this run, they shouldn't be in your circle to begin with. You should be held and celebrated for your survival and like all this stuff like that is what this is about. Yeah. So I just liked sharing that part because if that helps anybody like bring up that conversation in their home, then like maybe they can start, you know, exploring this stuff because that's the first yeah. step is like even recognizing that that's what it was that's a huge that was a huge part of our story too actually is that we had you know ours <laughs> wasn't the batch or anything but i can remember sitting uh in a garage one day and pete having that same conversation with me that your husband had with you yeah. that said just want to put this out here it wasn't anything deep we weren't having this big long like drawn out conversation it just was new and he was like i just want to put this out here I'm a safe spot. There's yeah. zero judgments here. Yeah. Um, if you ever want to talk about anything or whatever, there it is. And that was the end of it, right? Right. And mine was very much the same way. I'm like, okay, we'll see about that. <laughs> Blah. You know what I mean? And and it and it worked. But I also think that what we were talking about is that, you know, you have to have that conversation with somebody, right? Mm-hmm. If if you've I think open conversation period is is very important, right? Yes. Especially if you've been through some kind of traumatic um traumatic mm-hmm. um thing in your life right yeah but it's also good because you to have somebody in your life you need to be the person you need to be the safe person as well right so that had that conversation with him has turned me into the person that will sit next to somebody and say hey safe zone Mm -hmm. zero judgment just putting it out there it's it's usually how i introduce myself to be honest with you (laughs) maybe not exactly in that term but it's like hi my name's travis safe zone Anytime you need to say something, I'm here for you. Yeah. So it's like practicing being able to be your complete, honest, open self, right? There goes Pete. Uh, and then... Usually he's the one that's like, I'm usually it. the crime, right? <laughs> oh my but then also being that person, too. Yeah. So I think that's that nail in the head. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to collect my thoughts. I just had an aha moment that I've kind of maybe read or seen in a meme or whatever, but it just makes so much more sense after the detail in which you described your transformation is that the point of living life is not to get as unscathed as you can to the end, but it's to scathe yourself up. I don't know if that's the way to use I'm that down word. With it. I'm here for it. <laughs> to, to, to bump and bruise and hurt and pile that backpack on and then sit there like a jigsaw, a thousand piece puzzle on the table that we spend hours doing and figure out how to undo it and then share it so that someone else can do it. Like, yeah, that makes me almost want to go get bruised. Right. Metaphysic, metaphorically, metaphorically meta- yeah. whatever. But it's like because the transformation, the this is the, all my favorite movies are transformation based, all my favorite shows and yeah. my stories. And it's like when we get to that end. And you've got that aha moment and you have unpacked your stuff and you've said, you know what? That's not mine. Or whatever the story may be. It's like, that's a freedom that I want everyone on earth who has ever lived and will ever live to experience. Nodding violently. You have to (laughs) go through the hard things like rape, like assault, like being called fat. And and, and that's as horrible as someone physically violating me. Telling yeah. me those things like that, like that's verbal abuse, which is just as strong, if sometimes not stronger than the physical. Mm-hmm. It's like to go through those, 
the transformation, the end result is so worth it. Yeah. I highly recommend transforming. Yeah. Finding that journey in yourself. And for, and like for me, I find that it's easier to access those places through intense physical activity. And that might not be the case for everybody. Like, so my whole jam is hiking and I'm hiking my feelings, but you, I, I also paddle my feelings. I sing my feelings. I write my feelings. Like there's, this is more than just a hiking play rather. Like for me, the most important part that I have to articulate of that journey is like the nature piece because I didn't have a screen in front of my face. I didn't have headphones in. I wasn't listening to the news. I wasn't watching TV. I wasn't watching movies. I wasn't reading books. I wasn't in line at the checkout counter looking at all the people on the magazine where they like zoom in on your cellulite and tell you how horrible it is. Like there's all this stuff and none of that was there. And that was the key because like I couldn't, I have tried to fix this. I have tried to access these places. I've tried to do this at the gym. Can't do it because at a gym, that's not the right environment to have this kind of growth. It's just not like you're in a competitive environment. There's TVs blaring at you. There's people dropping weights. It's just not the right environment for me. Um, For me, I needed to be outside and be completely disconnected. And that, that in that quiet space, with only my thoughts and only my body was where I was able to make those connections and like bring this all home and wrap it up with a pretty bow. Was there Alexis also under that bow? Uh, yeah, of course. There's always Alexis under the bow. <laughs> There's Alexis under the bow. Oh my gosh. Well, I I'm gonna have to after this after we we say goodbye to each other, but goodbye for now, of course. Yes, because you're our new favorite friend. Right. Clearly. Wait. Hold on. Duh. You're you're in a pool of favorite friends. favorite friends. So yeah, let's not like, make I, the other favorite friends I, upset. I, yeah. Just welcome me to your pool party. No That's all I'm asking. Yeah, yeah. You are in the pool. <laughs> um, but I gotta I gotta take a minute and just breathe and like yeah. unpack this because it's like. It was emotionally draining, but in the best possible way. Yeah. Because I just, ugh, I just yeah. shivers and chills. So yeah. thank you so much for being brave thank and you. courageous and all the big words that mean you stepped up and took your power. Yeah. And for being that example. Thank you. <sighs> yeah. I'm looking through the comments here. We had what some really big comments. Uh, Cheryl Fletcher Greening um, got on here and she said, be authentic and genuine. Forget what anyone thinks. I so get this. Establish boundaries. Um, and then there's some more, but it won't let me open no, it. It's a new thing. I've never uh, said Yeah. Uh, absolutely live that. Write it all down, what they all said. Um, people are like, hi, sure, listening while they're, you're the background right now. Good points. Nature goes that for me, too. Uh, love it, love it, love it. Hi, Alicia. Yeah. I see you. Hi. <laughs> I don't see all the comments. Yes, girl, yes. Hi, Alicia. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah, Amanda. Uh, when she was talking about, I saw that Amanda uh, Foy, one of her really great friends, she said that I had that happen when she was talking about going to France and then coming back. Whenever yeah. you said that that internal dialogue, she goes, "I had that happen too." Left Australia and it shut up. Came home after two years and it was like it was waiting at immigration for me. Like, oh my god! <laughs> so it's like yeah. to have that voice yeah. come back into your head. It's Ugh. like that vacation. Well, and right? so when we got back, I went to my I went to Norway and some other places around Europe with my dad in July. And when we got back, we landed in Orlando and it was like the air was just so thick and it was covered. It was like a mix of like humid air laced with cigarette smoke and just like children screaming and humans screaming. And it was like, welcome back to America. Like, cause I was just in Norway, which is like so peaceful and so nice. And then I just come back and it's like, don't forget that you have to like actively choose to not hear those things. Because the second that I stepped back on U.S. soil, I was like, 
oh, right, the system's against me here. I need to, like, I have to be vigilant in my self-love because otherwise I could just get sucked right back into those patterns. It's, it's, it is active work. Like this is not, this is, this journey is not over just because I stood up on top of a mountain once. Like this is, this is a continuous, this is a life journey for me. And what you were saying too was like the different cycles of life and stuff. Like my friend Kat, she put it beautifully the other day. She's like, it's just, it's a cycle of like breaking and healing. Like you just break something and then you heal it. And then you learn that lesson, then you see that lesson show up in another way, and you break something else, and then you heal it again. Like, And looking at life that way, I was like, that sounds so less pressured. Like, If I just know that it's going to be this cycle of breaking and healing, then I feel way less encumbered by that, and it's almost inspirational. Like, What can I break and what can I heal now? Like, I'm actually kind of seeking that. Like, I thought that the assault was the biggest one. Like, is there more? That is actually terrifying to ask because, like, universe, I, I'm good. With, <laughs> I'm so good with what I've got right now. Like, I've got plenty on my plate to unpack. Right. right. But I, that wasn't involved. a challenge. Yeah, but I am yeah. interested to see, like, because as we do these group hikes with the um, speaking tour, like, I'm interested to see what comes up because now, like, I, I, don't, I don't know what else is out there for me to unpack. So I'm kind of excited about that. Because it doesn't really... scare me, which also makes me sound like a weirdo. No. But... So that will be hiking your feelings 2.0. Yeah. And then 3.0 and then boom. 4.0. And then book deals and movie deals. And yes. Boom. So no if you pressure. know, if you are an agent, no, that's no pressure because that's what's happening. <laughs> that's what's happening. That's what's happening. So. Yeah. And I think it's important to say, like, you know, you're excited to see what happens. And it is a challenge. Sometimes yeah. it's like, it's good to challenge the universe because the universe will challenge you regardless of whether you ask for it or not. Right. Yep. So to get comfortable in the uncomfortable, right? We're all, what was it I said the other day? We're all fabulously flawed and, you know, we're mm-hmm. wearing this badge of honor to try to figure ourselves out and to unpack that is brilliant. I get cold chills every time I hear you say that um, <laughs> about whenever, especially whenever you're just like, I realized that then this backpack is not mine. We do that as human beings, especially whenever we are nurturers, right? Yes. Or whether we are empaths or whatever it may be, we carry other people's shit around. Yeah. It happens. It's all about learning how to get rid of it or unpack it, you know? And I think that's one of the most important parts of that story is that take a look. Good. Take a go. almost started singing the take a look. It's in a book. Um, <laughs> no, take a look at yourself. Take a look. Unpack daily. And, and yeah. maybe not daily, but unpack when you need to. When you get feeling like it is weighing your ass down. Yeah. Well, and like for anybody that's watching or listening, like if you are sitting here feeling like heavier because you're like, oh shit, I got a backpack on. Yeah. Like take your time for one. Sure. Like sit with the realization that you've been carrying some stuff and then understand that some of it might not be yours. So it's not all right. heavy because it's all your shit. Yeah. Um, and then like when you're looking into it, like when you get to the point where you're like, oh, I'm okay with opening this up. Yeah. Then, then the first thing that I always ask myself, it's like my gut check is like, am I doing this out of love or fear? Right. Because if I can, if I can look in this pack from a place of love mm. and love for myself, love for the other people who have given me this, because like, honestly, the stuff that's in there that wasn't mine, it wasn't the person who gave it to me either. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. they're passing stuff down from their generation. Yeah. Agreed. And people who have told them the same things to them. So like, I'm holding stuff that's been somebody else's for like two or three lifetimes now. Right. So be gentle with yourself if you feel like you got a backpack on. And then when you get to the point where you can look it up, love or fear. 
I feel a little more unpacked just you being here. And this is a story that we've heard, you know, we just heard this last week and I already got so many other takeaways from it. We are, and I'm putting this out here for accountability. We are going to be hiking this trail and hopefully it'll be with you and your husband in the next like two months. I'm putting that out there right right. there. Okay. So I have to look um, at a map. I know it's LA ish, but I'm like, I don't even know. You could be taking me to like Canada. It's an island. Yeah. And this is like I said, accountability wise, because it's not only that, but it's like, you know, we um, have kind of gotten off track whenever it comes to getting our exercises on. And, you know, even though it's it's a spiritual thing, too, right? We yeah. want to kind of fill our cups. We talk about the PIMS cups, you know, the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual. Yeah. It's time to fill up some cups, Peter. Peter Louise, what do you think? Uh, well, I have been bouncing around and singing, whether you want to hear me or not, for like the past two weeks now. So <laughs> I, I'm flowing, but I want to keep true. it flowing. It's overflowing. And, uh, <laughs> I got to give it away then. Yeah. Time exactly. to give it away. Time give to unpack it. Okay. So thank you. Thank you. Seriously. No, thank this you. Is stupid. We're going to have, so have the biggest, best hug after this. Right. Yes! So, so this is what I want you to do. I want you to look in that camera right there. Hi, and camera. I want you to tell every single person that is listening and will listen um, where they can find you and uh, all that good stuff besides here. Besides here. So yeah. um, my speaking tour with REI starts on October 12th in Burbank. And the format that we're doing is I speak on Friday nights at seven. And then the next morning on Saturday, we take it to the trail and we go hike it out. So the first batch is in Burbank on the 12th with the speaking engagement and the 13th for the hike. And then we go to Tustin the next Friday at 7 p.m. And then the following week, we are in Woodland Hills, like Topanga Canyon area. And um, you can sign up for those on the REI website. If you go to hikingmyfeelings.com, um, you can opt in for my email newsletter and my Facebook group, which is where I'll give the information about the group hikes because I'm not trying to put that stuff out publicly and have a bunch of weirdos show up. Right. Um, so it'll be nice and safe. And you can join the group and get all the information there. Hiking My Feelings on Instagram, hashtag and the account is at Hiking My Feelings. And then I am at Sydney Unfiltered, S-Y-D-N-E-Y, like Australia. Sweet. I think that's it. And if this if this interview, if this conversation, if this connection has connected with you, share, 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 because I, I'm here because someone chose to share their story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's one of Travis Pay it forward, right? Yeah. That's yeah. all, you know, it's all about sharing. Yeah. We're being honest, open, and willing. And, and again, as we say every time, take what you like and leave the rest because yes. it's not all for you, but I'm pretty sure that some people can get some something out of some part of this story, right? Yeah. And, and I think like, if there's anybody out there that's like, I don't have an REI store or this story sounds very interesting, but I don't give a shit about hiking. Um, this is just one version of this chapter of my life and I have it so it's ready to go for different audiences as well. So if you're sitting here and you're like, I want you to come to my business or I want you to come to my birthday party, like yeah. whatever it is, like I this She'll is put on this, a clown costume. Yeah, this is the plan. So like yeah. Barry and I are in the process of selling all of our stuff. We're gonna get in a yes. sprinter van or an RV. I want a Winnebago Revel. I'm putting that out in the universe. That's way better than us. Um, we even did it in our Prius. <laughs> so like and we're we're taking this on the road. So Regardless of what happens with REI, my hope and dream and plan is that this will expand, um, and that's the intention. But even if it doesn't, um, this doesn't stop after October. So oh, yeah. we're like, this is my world tour. Let's do it. Okay, Let's and, do it. and do you know you you have this ability, right? This is her thing. This is her story, right? 
hiking her feelings. If this is something that you do resonate with, replace that hiking, right? Yeah. Walk your feelings. Do the things that are going to help you the most to get it out, to get to get that unpacked, okay? That's what the biggest thing is about all of this. Her story is for hers. I'm sure, like, uh, as many comments we've had, I get that all of you all resonate somehow with this. But figure out your own thing, right? That's yeah. That's what you got to do. Figure out your own thing. And, and, and if your own thing is something that usually happens in front of a screen or inside – Go outside yes. and drop the screen. You like, go give your give yourself give yourself the gift of like just trying it outside. Yeah, because there is something to be said for being like completely secluded in nature yeah. to like really get down and the with commonality yourself. is to disconnect. Yeah, however yeah. you choose to disconnect to find that process. Yeah, and if this it's has touched you. you, as always, hit that little share button down there. Right, share it out to your friends and family because there's somebody out there that could take away that something maybe you didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we will be releasing this. It'll probably be out next Thursday or Friday um, on iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, and all the others. That's it. All the others. <laughs> maybe that's it. Maybe that's <laughs> all the others. Um, so yeah, you can check it out and you can share it on there. Um, and again, a huge thank you to you. We, thank you. We are so lucky to have uh, just literally crossed your path last week. Yeah. Um, no coincidence. We nope. cannot wait to get up on that no mountain with you. Yes. So, I don't know mountains. if you ever see a sign out or not, but we have a little sign out that we do um, okay. from our heart to yours. So uh, from the bottom of our heart, uh, we love that you're here. And uh, go tap into life from our heart to yours. To yours. Thanks, guys, for showing up. And we will see you next week. We are so grateful you joined us for another episode of Tap Into. Go to Facebook.com forward slash Travis and Pete and like our page. And drop us a line while you're there and say hi. You can also find us on Instagram at Tap Into Life. Huge, super big shout out to Specialty Produce Network and our listeners and followers because we couldn't do this without you. After all, we are better together. Till next time, get out there and tap tap into life. The Specialty Produce app is the world's number one handheld resource on produce. The app features photographs, recipes, geography and history, taste and culinary applications on over 1,900 produce items. From apples to zapote, we've got your produce questions answered. Our app is available for both iPhone and Android. Download our app for free today.